Again, stay in uh, the mood of the moment. Close your eyes and see yourself looking at Jesus, who did love you and still does, but loved you enough in dying on the cross to be there in your place, taking your rap. See him come to you, look at you. Lord, in your mercy, this moment as we turn our attention to you, look you in the face. Take my lips, Lord Jesus, and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills, our stubborn, resistant wills, and bend them to your own. And take our hearts, Lord Jesus, some here with a broken heart, some with a weary and jaded heart, some with a heart of stone, others with hearts that are malleable in your hand. Take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, be seated, please. They're not up here right now, but why don't you say thank you to our band and our worship leaders. What's happened here this morning in the words we've been singing has been a tremendous preparation for what it is, I have to say, again, from God's Word. And what they have selected by way of these songs, I would love just to preach my way through all of them. I'm tempted even now to begin. I'm resisting temptation. I've got some other things to say. Based on that, those wonderful truths, what we're looking for as the end product of this morning together is a re-upping of our devotion and commitment to Jesus. Now, that'll look like different things to different people because we're all in a different place here. You know, from time to time, people who've been married 25 years, that's often a good, well, five years, 10 years, 50, you know, you hit one of those big years. Couples ask if we will, us pastors like Pastor Jamie or me, come and preside over, lead a little worship service as they say their vows to each other again. There's one couple in this church who've been married over 50 years, and every year they re-up. They say it to themselves every year on their anniversary. And they find a minister, that's how they found us, to do it. So that's how I know. Some of you really need to re-up here this morning. You know, we did that series a few weeks ago from Psalm 80, verses 18 and 19, where you had these two key thoughts, revive us, O Lord. And then, verse 19, restore us, O Lord, to revive and to restore. And we are starting a series this morning about being renewed. In the next four weeks, that's this week and three more, we're talking about renewal. And we're talking about, this morning, the concept of belonging, not just to Jesus, but to each other to renew our vision of that. And for those of you who've yet to really get in on that, seriously, to get in on the commitment that brings you into commitment of membership, to really belong to the family here. And as we make our way through this text 
that we're going to be looking at, Acts chapter 2, you may see yourself in it, and as we reflect on it, even buy in big time and say, yep, I'm in. Because this week is about seriously committing to the church family here. Next week, the sermon is about maturing, growing up. When I was a young adolescent, I was going to use the word wastrel. I don't know if I was ever quite that bad. My mother would say to me, why don't you grow up? I mean, get a, she didn't say get a life, that's more contemporary, but that's what she was saying. Grow up. Be a man. Stop acting like a kid. Well, second base, second series is about maturity. With each of these, we're offering a major class of a half a day of teaching. So membership is a half-day class. You've got this blue sheet in your... Just to jump ahead a moment, you've got this blue sheet that you can sign up, desk outside, go take it over. You don't have to be committed to being a member to be in the class, but you do have to go through the class to become a member. And similarly with maturity, another half day of teaching that much further out. So you're going to be asked to sign up for a different class, lecture, half day, next week. And the third is about your ministry, who you are, who God has called you to be. You know, some of you remember the movie Ten. It's about a very beautiful, can't come up with her name right now, but I can see her in my mind's eye, beautiful young lady. What was her name? Right, thank you. Now I got the name. She was a ten. And guys have a way of, I don't know if they still do this, say, she's a ten. Every one of you, if you've gotten to know Jesus, is a ten in some area or other in your personality, in your giftedness, in your experience, who you are. That third week of training, teaching, whenever you get the chance, will help you discover where you're a 10. When you put it all together and we all discover where we are a 10, watch out. Watch out, world. Watch out, Satan. So to discover how God has put you together, shaped you for his purposes. And then last of all, the mission, that we're all on mission together. I know that Pastor Ed's going to be teaching that class almost certainly. I know I'm teaching the first one, membership. We're still fighting about who does the other two. I don't know which one you want, Pastor Jamie, but you can take your pick right here, right now. And there'll be a sermon one week after another, all in a row, leading us down that path, re-upping, renewing, Look at this passage. If you uh, have, I know you have your service sheet with you, so find, will you please, the passage, and or if you've got your own Bible, Acts chapter 2. We're picking up the text at verse 42. So the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verse 42. As I read through this, I make just brief comment, but there are certain dominating factors When it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers, they're speaking about 3,000 people who just the verse before, in listening to Peter preach, got converted. That is, 
They surrendered their lives to Jesus. These folks were all Jewish. They're in Jerusalem. They're there for a special feast called Pentecost. That's a Jewish feast in the first place. And when they hear Peter preach, they're smitten to the heart. And Jesus, who just weeks before was crucified and then raised from the dead, is so evidently present powerfully amongst them, they give their lives to Jesus and are baptized. 3,000. I don't know if they baptized them all the same day. That is some service. I mean, Pastor Jamie was speaking about baptism a few weeks. Can you imagine lining up behind 2,999 others? It's a big deal. That's who's gathered. One place or another. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together. Underline that, whether it's your Bible or your notes. Were together and had everything in common. How devoted they were to each other. Not just to the Lord, not just to the leadership, but to each other. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together, underline it, in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together, underline it, to eat together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying favor of all the people, the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the church was growing daily, not week by week on a Sunday morning service, daily, exponentially, because of this existential experience they have of belonging not only to Jesus, but to each other. That's a huge step. Now listen, these are new believers. The New Testament hadn't been written. It was the Spirit of God who gave them this love and desire for Christ and to be together, to learn together, to break bread together, to worship together, to take care of one another. That's one of the reasons why our small group ministry, our it's so important so you get to know just a small group of people. Who knows you? Who knows to care about you? To pray for you? To watch out for you? To back you up when things do go wrong? To be there for you, even financially, when you hit the wall? Who knows you? Have you let yourself be known? Have you gotten in? Are you still standing on the outside? You're in the stands rather than on the field. The idea of being, being the church. And the thing that's missing so often is commitment. We live in an age where folks are resistant to commitment. Let me mention a few things here that I've noted. The first is this, that these folks experienced what may be in our hearts we're longing for, because God created us for a belonging. In the very first place, when he created man, he said it's not good for man to be alone. Adam and Eve became a couple. It's not good for us to be alone. 
Some of us really experience a deep loneliness and a loneliness. It's for a dozen different reasons that we maybe feel like that. I can remember as a young teenager, we moved from Oxford, which was my home, to London. London was big and bustling. I'd grown up in Oxford. I went to all my schools there. Now I'm in London in a big city, and oh, so lonely. I remember one guy I thought was my friend said, hey, you should come to this Christmas party with us. I said, I'd love to. I thought, wow, I've got a friend. He's going to introduce me to some other people. So we made a point of where I'd meet him to get to the party. He never turned up, never showed up. So I went home. One lonely teenage boy in London. We are made to be with others and to belong. That's how God created us. But when you come to Jesus Christ and you're born again spiritually and you're made new, there is a rebirth in you of that same longing and desire, but to be with people who know and love Jesus. Listen to this. When, when I got converted, I got another whole family of friends. My own flesh and blood brother, who was only 18 months younger than I, and we'd grown up through the tough times, the bad times, the mischievous times, and we're into our major adolescence, and I get to know Jesus, age 18, and suddenly I've got a whole new world of friends. It was years afterwards my brother Tony said to me, do you know, John, when you became a believer, he said, I lost you. You had this other whole world you were connected to. For me, that was so positive and brilliant. He spotted it, but he wasn't in on it. And then about 20 years later, he got to know Jesus. Two things I remember distinctly about that. One is he sent me a letter from London to me here now in the USA saying, when I got to know the Lord, it was a remarkable experience that he had. God spoke to him. He said, I went to my room, that's his bedroom, knelt by the bed, and wept for the wasted years. He realized he just, relative to what he now experienced, he'd wasted so much of his life. Because he could have gotten to know Jesus back when I was 18 and he was 17. And he missed it. Now he's in his early 40s. Then, the other thing he said was this. Very moving. He said when... You became a believer, I lost you. But when I became a believer, I got you back twice. He said, as my flesh and blood brother and my spiritual brother, he came on in. And I tell you, he left me in the dust. You know that phrase about getting back the years that the locust has eaten? That's an Old Testament statement. He got them back and in a hurry. I'd love to just tell you more about him. I've got to move on. But there is another world of association and friendship and closeness and dynamism that's connected to our belonging to each other. These guys, can you believe it? They got in on it and they didn't have a New Testament. Because the theological piece to this is demonstrated in 1 Corinthians 
chapter 12, which is all about the body. Christ is the head, we are the body, and we belong to each other. And Paul says some things like this. The hand cannot say to the foot, you don't belong. The eye cannot say to the ear, I have no need of you. Nor can the ear say to the eye, because you're not an ear, you don't belong. See, by the time you get into the church of the Corinthians, they're dividing up over one thing or another. I'm of Paul, I'm of Peter, I'm of Apollos. You know, the club spirit, divisiveness amongst the believers. Paul has to give them this amazing description of the body and how we all belong. And for us to be effective, we all need to be in. I mean, like, yes, in, committed, part of the team. You get in. You make that commitment. And watch out, world. Watch out, Satan. Can you imagine if we all were committed to Jesus and committed to each other and his mission in this world? Watch out. The consequence and significance of your life individually and ours together as a family would be extraordinary. Listen, if you're by yourself, you can only get done as much as you can do by yourself. How much is that? Not a whole lot. But you get in a team. You belong to the family. Now we've got a different deal going. You can get nothing done of any consequence by yourself. You need the rest of us, and we need you. Believe it. Transformation of the body just through having the missing part that's you. The other thing is this. Thinking of a body. Two very scabby things to note. Do you know what cancer is? It's a rogue cell in the body. That's what cancer is. A rogue cell. Do you know what a parasite is? Something that lives off the body but is not a part of the body. You don't want to be a rogue cell and you don't want to be a parasite. You want in, healthily in. I would have to say, and I'm fast running out of time, so let me start speaking about the speed of Jamie Kendrew, Pastor Jamie. Let's see if I can catch up with you. Listen to this. The big deal is that when we are in, all together in, then the stuff that stops us getting in gets laid aside. Here's what stops us. Fear. Fear of getting committed in such a way that we have to really not only get to know other people, but they have to get to know us. And some of us feel so messed up, such jerks, such failures, so inept, so broken and messed up, we don't want anybody really to discover who we are. That's one reason. Another reason is this that when you get committed, you get responsibility. Some of you don't want to be responsible. 
you don't want to really be in the traces with us. You want to come, enjoy, take what you need, and leave. It's like a spiritual supermarket. Nobody joins a supermarket. You don't belong to the gas station. You go, get gassed up, and get out of there. And that's how you use the church. You're not committed. You don't belong. You're a user, not a producer. What you don't want to become is a producer because now you're taking on responsibility. So get committed. Make that decision. Here's a huge statement. You do become... Let me speak positively why you need to do this. When you move from being just an attender to a member and make that commitment, the commitment, you actually become what you are committed to in your life. Whatever it is you're devoted to, committed to, that's what you become. Get committed to Christ and his family, you become a serious Christian. Four reasons why you need to be. Number one, the biblical reason is that Christ is committed to the church. Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. Ephesians 5.25 If you're committed to Christ, you've got to be committed to what he's committed to. When you have a married couple and they commit to marriage and they're not committed to the same things, they live separate, desperate lives from each other. You've got to have common commitments, heading in the same direction. When I mention marriage, part of the problem that some of us are struggling with is commitment, because outside of that, we're just users. The second reason why we need to get committed is this. It's an antidote to our society. And we live in an age where very few want to be committed to anything, a job, a marriage, our nation. This attitude has even produced a generation of church shoppers and hoppers. Membership swims against the current of America's consumer religion. It's an unselfish decision. Commitment always builds character. Do you know why so many couples just cohabit? today, discovered even older couples do. Those old retirement communities down in Florida, sexual transmitted disease is becoming rife. Unbelievable. Just imagine turning up at the doctor's office, some old guy with a sexually transmitted disease. That's what they're doing. But younger couples are just cohabiting. What's the deal with cohabiting? You get all the benefits with none of the responsibilities. But let me tell you something. Reality is, you both lose. Women lose more than the guys. But you both lose. You lose the wonder, the magic, the mystery, and what you become when you commit to someone else in holy matrimony, which is what God made us for. He didn't make us to be shack up, go where the wind blows and you follow the scent kind of people. But to be committed. Same with the church. You don't want to be just a user. 
Third is a very practical reason. It defines who can be counted on. Every team must have a roster. Every school must have an enrollment. Every business has a payroll. Every army has an enlistment. Every country takes a census and requires voter registration. Do you belong? Can you be counted on? Are you in the team? The reality is, from God's point of view, you're in the body, you're in the team. What you've got to do is now live your way into it. The last is this. It produces spiritual growth. The New Testament places a major emphasis on the need for Christians to be accountable to each other for spiritual growth. You cannot be accountable when you're not committed to any specific church family. So if you're committed to Jesus, you already belong to the family, but you're acting like an orphan out there on your own. Come on in. Come and be a part of the family. Bow your heads and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for creating us anew to be yours and to belong to each other. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Forgive us for the wasted years, the wasted days and hours, the wasted opportunities, the wasted energies, the waste of all that you purchased for us. Right now, right here, with you, Lord Jesus, we say to you, we are in. So grant to us, Lord, to become what you've made us to be, co-workers with you, joint heirs together with you of all that you've done for us, want to give to us, and have us do for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus.